Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Most people will pay nearly $1,000 more for groceries in 2022. That is according to a recent study from Guelph University. That means an extra $20 per week. While it may not sound like much for some, many people are feeling it. For those on fixed incomes or low wages, it can be huge. So what's going on? Mark DeYoung, the president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, can give us an idea from a farmer's perspective. The price of gas affects everything from planting crops to shipping the final product. Rising manufacturing costs and labor costs are also contributing. Even the cost of fertilizer and herbicides are rising. Surprisingly, Russia is a major supplier of fertilizer in the world. If you don't think that's important, farmers in Northumberland will need at least 7.3 million pounds of ammonia nitrate fertilizer alone just for corn crops this year. That's not soya beans or canola or any other crop, just corn. De Jong will explain this and more. Here is that interview. I'm so glad to have with me again, Mark De Jong, president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. Welcome back to Consider This. Thank you, Robert. Glad to be here. People across Northumberland are watching as food prices are rising. And I'd like to start with an example before we get into too many complexities. Mark, you have run a cash crop operation. Indicate for us where your operation might have experienced increases in cost. Well, I guess we have to start with the spring planting. So this spring, we will be looking at um, higher fuel costs. And um, the fuel costs are not only increased because of the war that's broke out and the, we also have the carbon tax um, increase this year again, uh, which farmers are not exempt from. Uh, we also um, are experiencing um, input costs uh, for fertilizers. A lot of all our fertilizer goes on in the springtime pretty much. Um, so we need to, uh, to have nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. Um, some of those products have increased um, up to 60 to 65% on uh, phosphorus and potash. Uh, nitrogen um, is anybody's guess at this point because uh, a lot of those nitrogen boats have not left um, Ukraine yet um, and Russia. Russia is the largest... Um, supplier of, uh, of urea because of the natural gas that they have there. Uh, urea is made out of natural gas. Um, our suppliers for herbicides, the herbicides go down in the springtime. 
after the before and after the crop has come up um, until about June the 1st is uh, usually when we stop spraying herbicides. And those herbicide costs uh, just on glyphosate, which is uh, commonly known as Roundup, is up 100% this year because of the decrease of uh, s- supply, um, the, which I don't understand why the uh, manufacturers decide to short the market they have, uh, whether it's to do, do, due to um, labor shortages. Um, labor is a big deal. Uh, farmers are having a hard time finding labor. Um, everyone that I've talked to that, uh, hires anyone is, is really having a, a difficult time finding somebody to sit in a tractor to, to go do something. So if anybody needs a job, uh, that likes to drive tractor, stop by your local farmer. Sorry. I was going to say, so just in that aspect of getting the crops in the ground, all those factors are contributing to higher food prices. Am I understanding that correctly? Exactly. Yes, those are huge factors uh, for us as farmers. We're going to have to swallow this, and we can we cannot pass it on. But uh, the manufacturers they know that uh, they need to keep us alive to uh, <laughs> to get it put on the shelves. So otherwise, they won't have product. Let's go back and let's talk about fertilizers for people who may not understand. When you're raising crops, why is it so important to have these fertilizers? Okay, well, if we take uh, nitrogen, um, which is probably the most common uh, known one that people would understand. So if you take a a crop of corn, for every bushel of corn, it takes 0.87 to one pound of nitrogen for per bushel of corn. So this past year, uh, Northumberland County averaged somewhere in that 190 bushels per acre. So we need 190 two bushels or pounds of actual nitrogen. So out of that urea nitrogen, there's only 46% of it. It's nitrogen. So you actually have to increase the equation by that, that factor of the, it only being 46%. Why are we seeing these things go up in price? Well, we have the nitrogen, obviously I mentioned earlier because of the, uh, the war broke out in, uh, Ukraine, uh, in Russia with sanctions there. Um, a lot of nitrogen comes from Russia because of their, um, high volume of natural gas. Uh, natural gas is, uh, is how you make nitrogen and the ships are not loaded yet. Oh, not all the ships. There's several ships there that are still sitting in port in, in the black sea uh, needing to leave to go to North America. And if those ships don't get here you, with my ec- explanation of how many pounds of nitrogen we need to get a bushel of corn, uh, or wheat, uh, those yields will go down because there won't be a product no matter what you charge for it. You, if you don't have it, you can't, can't buy it. Is there no other sources in the world that can do it? Surely there must be other places that produce natural gas that, um, our alternatives. Why, why can't we just go and instead of buying it from Russia, buy it from somewhere else? Well, because the, the rest of the world is, um, has a supply issue as well. So as soon as it's like, you know, if we don't have, if we have a wheat failure or crop failure in, in Western Canada, yes, we can get wheat from somewhere else, but the whole world is now short. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't clear. I meant, can you help us better understand how weather plays a role in causing our food prices to go up. 
Well, if we have too much rain in the springtime, we can't get the crop in on time. And here in, in Canada, we have a short season. So the later that planting date gets, the less season that we have to grow uh, that crop. So as we get later, less yield, uh, less product comes from that acre of land um, rather than if we were to be able to plant in late April, early May. So, and then if we have drought, uh, of course, everyone knows that, uh, you know, if there's no water, um, we, most of Ontario and, and uh, Canada does not irrigate their, their field crops or is not able to um, cost effectively. So, then the yields go back down again. And when we start losing um, our, our average yields uh, for Northumberland County uh, was up until last year was in that 178 bushel per acre on corn this year, this past year, which was amazing with the dry weather we had and everything that we actually surpassed that to 192 bushel an acre. Um, I, the water mustage came just at the right time uh, when it when it needed it, but you know northern Ontario was uh, scorched. We were sending hay and and feed up there for their livestock because they they were burnt right off. They didn't have any feed at all. So there can become a re- reliance on other sources of food. Are, are we as consumers going to still be able to get what we want? I think um, this coming year, I think we're still we still have a lot of supply in storage for this year. Um, you know, come fall, if we don't have everything we think we're going to get, uh, there could be shortages on the shelves by fall. What about gas price? You, you began to talk about that. Can you describe how this impacts farmers? Well, it takes the same amount of fuel every year to put the crop in the ground. Even, you know, our, our newer tractors burn less fuel, but they're still burning fuel. Um, and we have made it as efficient as possible with a lot of no-till and trying to get away from having to, to burn fuel, but uh, we still have to burn that fuel to, p- to put a crop in the ground. And we've been lobbying the government for ever since this carbon tax came out to, to take that carbon tax away because it's adding, um, I think it's around 12 cents a, li- a liter now or, or more. I'm not sure exactly. I'd, maybe you shouldn't quote me on that, but... <clears throat> The, uh, and then our freight uh, to have this uh, crop hauled away, or, you know, uh, about five years ago, we were in around that uh, $15 a ton to have it uh, from the center of Northumberland County shipped to uh, Johnstown um, or Prescott. And now it's, uh, it's in that uh, $21 a ton. So let's just step back for a second and talk about the carbon tax. Um, RMP. Philip Lawrence uh, introduced some legislation to uh, have this reduced and it passed the House. But then I understand it got to the Senate and then the election was called and it died on the order paper. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. Like we, and it's, it seems to be hard to get a hold of a politician to see what's going on anymore. It, uh... Well, I, no- I noticed a, a Liberal MP now has reintroduced a very, very similar bill into the House, a private member's bill to, to do this. Um, from your perspective as a farmer, how frustrating is this? Well, I get furious. It, 
this carbon tax uh, last year was in that $20,000 just on carbon tax on the fuel bill for our farm alone. Um, and that's obviously going to increase again this year. Uh, I've talked to some other farmers that have uh, to do freight uh, hauling as well. And they're in that $40,000 range. You know, that's, that's right off the top. Like, I don't know. It's uh, we're, we're a country here. That's we're nearly carbon neutral. I, as far as I'm concerned um, and farmers are, are carbon neutral when they talk about uh, mitigating carbon agriculture doesn't even come to the forefront because they're actually sequestering carbon and we're, and we're still being taxed. It just doesn't make any sense. I started to talk about shipping. How hard has it been in terms of just the logistics of being able to take whatever it is you're producing as farmers and, and get it to the next phase of, uh, of the chain? Well, fortunately we have not run into any challenges other than when they, uh, when they had the uh, protest at the borders, uh, there was trucks that were slowed down, but they, uh, they allowed uh, livestock to cross the border. Um, as you, I've said before on your show that uh, there's about 100,000 pigs a week that uh, leave Ontario into the US. So that's a lot of trucks when they only carry about 180 to 200 pigs per truck. And that's just, that's just one commodity we're talking about. Exactly, yeah. So explain to, to people how it works then. Labor, labor and energy costs here in like hydro, um, gas prices, they just don't want to put a large processing plant here in Ontario. We lost the one we had uh, a few years ago and no one's replaced it. Um, you know, our, our labor costs have increased again by 60 cents an hour. Um, and I don't, begrudge anyone for making a, a living wage, but, uh, you know, it's, it adds to the cost of the food. It adds to the processor to try to find labor to process the meat or the, or the, the grains and stuff, um, that has to be made into food. Um, and the U S can still do it cheaper. So so when I buy a package of bacon or I buy some pork chops or a ham in, in the grocery store, that's actually been grown in Ontario, gone down to the States, been processed, and it comes back in those packages that we buy. And even though it's saying uh, made in Ontario or made in Canada, it was a, an American that, uh, that processed that for us. Is that what I'm understanding? Well, some of it is. There is uh, still a few plants that do process here in in, uh, in Ontario, but we're not like we can only process maybe two thirds of it. Um, I, if it doesn't have a Canadian uh, maple leaf on it or a Ontario check mark, uh, it's not a product of Canada or of Ontario. So it uh, and it has to. The rules and regulations on that is it could be a product, but not processed. So you almost have to have both labels on there to, to know that it was processed and packaged here in, in uh, Canada. You've mentioned a couple of factors around labor. You mentioned the need of farmers to get uh, labor that's affordable. And, and uh, you've also, I've heard that even in terms of shipping, that there's been a, a lack of drivers, why it's contributing to the rising price of food? Processors, if they cannot have three shifts, uh, 
if they have a 24 hour uh, processing plant and, and they're only running two shifts a day, um, they're going to short the market because they just don't have the labor to do it. And then they've got to increase the product uh, to compensate because their hard costs don't change. And, and I think, you know, we get to, everyone's heard about late, uh, late chips and uh, pre-delay. Uh, their problem, and I'm and I'm sure it's it's the the labor shortage that they're dealing with on their end, and they're trying to to cover their hard costs. They're they're tired of losing money. Maybe could you just take a second for those who may not be familiar with the story with Frito Lay and Loblaw? Could you just go over that? What's going on there, please? Frito Lay is um, in contract uh, negotiations with Loblaws, and they're trying to increase the price of uh, their chips uh, products to on their shelves to, to compensate themselves for, uh, for their losses and, uh, production costs. It's one of those things where the, there's a cost to producing that product. Uh, you know, just take free LA, it, it, that bag of chips costs so much to produce and, and they, they need a profit and, uh, Loblaws are, or the retail needs to make a profit on it too. And so there's gotta be a number in between. And if you start increasing wages too much, then nobody wants the product, so. Well, that's really uh, an interesting thing to say because I wanted to talk to you a bit about the retailers and the grocery stores. They're obviously where most consumers see the impact of all these factors that we've been talking about for the last little while and how they all come together at that moment when you go to say, pick up that bag of chips or get that package of bacon or, you know, grab a, uh, some milk. We see the, those prices going up. How do markups work in a grocery store so that we're seeing this incredible rise in the cost of food? Well, uh, it has to come from the processing end because the processors are, are paying the farmers or the suppliers, which is us farmers, a certain amount of money because of the world price of if the market's short uh, of supply, then the, the price goes up. And if that price goes up, they have to pass it on to the retail and retail has to pass it on to the consumer. So let's go back and talk about our example then. So when we were talking about a lack of fertilizer and increase in gas costs and increase in labor costs to you as a farmer, and you don't have a good crop, or you can't get the things that you need to, to fully ha uh, have the best crop and, and produce the most. So that means that there is a, a lack of supply, which then drives up that price. Then it goes off to the processor and they've got their costs and their, their uh, challenges that are causing the price to rise. And then all of that then goes to the grocery store, which has to be competitive, but at the same time, they've got to make their money. And therefore, that's why as we're going through this, we're seeing all these factors, the, the gas prices, short supply of, of chemicals, um, shortage of labor, et cetera, all contributing to what we see in the grocery store as prices going through the roof. Mm -hmm. Did I understand yeah. that correctly? Did I explain that right? I think you absolutely nailed it. It's a, it's a tsunami effect when you have all these little factors building up to one big one. Mm -hmm. Now, are these prices going to be permanent or do you see them as being something that's temporary, some, some pain that we'll have for a while and then it'll go away? I think some of the prices uh, 
on some pro- products will come down and it'll be so slow that you may not even notice it won't it won't hit the news that's for sure but um i i think this is going to be a, a short term um price increase will it level off i'm sure it's going to as long as we don't have a lot of these factors uh, that we talked about uh, hit us in the fall because we're still working off of last year's supplies so maybe when i'm talking about the serb products or serb problem it's is probably affecting all of the of the pricing still to this day because of the supply and storage so it's moving through the system um, with a higher price tag on it now we've seen the biggest jump in grocery bills in a decade um, i i believe there was a report released just a couple of days ago uh, where they're predicting that the typical family grocery bill in 2022 uh, will go up to buy uh, almost a thousand dollars, and it's the biggest a jump that has ever been projected in the last decade. So when we think about that, are farmers seeing any real increases in their margins? I mean, are you guys getting getting any extra money from any of this, or is it just all going straight through as passed along costs? Um, last year, we've seen uh, definitely a, an increase for our product. Um, now it's going to catch up to us this year. I, I think it's the margins are going to be very narrow this year for us um, because of the increase uh, of, of our input costs of fertilizer and uh, herbicides. But uh, we did have a very good year last year in Southern Ontario and East. Northern Ontario uh, did not have a crop, obviously. Now, I know there are a number of farming organizations and lobby groups that uh, approach both the federal and the provincial governments to uh, ask them to get assistance and help. What is going on right now on that front in light of everything that you've just described to us so far? As far as we're lobbying to the government, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's the only thing we are really lobbying is to get rid of that carbon tax uh, as far as the federal government goes. Uh, provincially, um, you know, we all got this license sticker uh, uh, exemption uh, from Doug Ford uh, for some light vehicles. Um, I phoned yesterday to find out what was going on as far as farm vehicles go. And they said anything over 3,500 kilos uh, still needs a sticker. Uh, all commercial license plates uh, stickers still need to be there. And they've actually increased in price. Um, so, you know, I'm lobbying the provincial government uh, to, to start giving um, essential businesses um, more than just a thank you, a, like a financial break, so that they can pass some of these savings back down to us. Um, you know, we're all in this together, right? So we need to, need to be working together to, to move, move the needle. And, uh, we're also then lobbying the provincial government to save farmland. Um, there's a big push on, uh, with all this building going on around the the province. Uh, I don't think anybody's not noticed that, um, we're, we're losing 175 acres a day of farmland. You know, we only have, um, uh, 4% of Ontario is, uh, farmable and we're losing that land at a rapid rate. 
as these prices go up, they can also impact consumer behavior. So when this happens, how do farmers adjust you know, when people start saying, oh, I'm going to buy less meat. I'm going to buy less fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, I'm going to drink less milk. What, how do you, as a, a farmer, adjust to match that consumer demand, or can you? Uh, some of the products in agriculture are uh, quota-based, um, and I won't get into too much of that. The quota is just basically um, a tool to measure supply and demand. So your poultry, like chicken, turkey, eggs, and um, milk is all on a quota system, which is supply and demand. So they measure how much is being uh, consumed so that the production is adjusted accordingly. Uh, for all other products, um, we produce as much as we can until the price falls. That's basically it. Some people may argue that we should maybe focus agriculture more on a local market basis. I mean, we see our farmer markets uh, uh, around Northumberland, but you know, when there's so many things that we pay for, like the shipping and all these other uh, things where there's so many middlemen all taking money, is there no way that we could ever see a system or do you ever see a possibility of a system where more localized, where you know, farmers from Northumberland grow food for the people of Northumberland as a way of cutting costs and maybe lowering the price of food? And that's, that would be a very ideal world to have the processing capacity locally. Um, just for a small example, um, I had a brother that took his, a few of his turkeys out of his barn because he wanted to, to eat his own turkeys. So he brought them over to uh, the local abattoir and I think there was like uh, 10 or $12 to have it processed. Uh, he said, well, that was enough of that. So when the, when he shipped them all to Hanover in Western Ontario, uh, where he, he has a contract, uh, with, uh, through his, uh, Turkey producer board, uh, they charged him $3 and delivered it to his freezer in his shed. So yeah, it's, it's very, um, very difficult to have a processor right here in our backyard. How do you see things going in the next few months as farmers start to get going on the next planting season? I think I'm hoping it's going to be uh, business as usual. Um, you know, a lot of the supply that we were talking about being short on has been purchased um, for the larger farms. Uh, some of the smaller farms that did not pre-purchase in December may find themselves uh, scrambling to find something or they may have to use some sort of alternatives to, to deal with, um, with their herbicides or, or they may find themselves just short on growing a crop this, this spring. So that's all I can, all I can say that way. Do you feel optimistic or pessimistic at this point? I would say I, I'm all farmers are always optimistic, right? It's like they're eternal optimists. That's why they, they keep doing it every year. So, um, the, we can sell on the, on the futures market for corn and soybeans are, are record highs again this year. So, you know, we'll, a lot of farmers have already sold uh, 2022 crop. 
even though it hasn't been planted yet. Uh, they haven't sold the whole crop. They probably would have sold, you know, 25 to 30%, maybe 40, 50% on some cases. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think price-wise, we're very optimistic. Mark DeYoung, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That was Mark DeYoung, president of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.